Good morning, everybody. From the very beginning of time, man has not liked authority very much. You think of in the garden, there's Adam and Eve, and God says that they could eat of any of the trees of the garden, except for one, right? Of all of the trees of the garden, they could eat except for one. And if they are to eat of that tree, the forbidden tree, that they are to surely die. That one tree is what made it so that Adam and Eve looked upon it and thought, that is the one thing that, that God has said that we cannot take. And it bothered them. They wanted to do whatever they wanted to do and not have any authority over them. Therefore, they ate of the tree and sin entered the world. You find it with Cain and Abel shortly after where there's sacrifices that are made and one is to, made that's, that's a, a fruit offering and the other is an animal sacrifice. But Cain wanting to do what Cain wanted to do, not wanting to be in submission to a holy God that says that it has to be a blood sacrifice, it has to be an animal sacrifice. Um, not recognizing that it's pointing ahead to Christ whose precious blood would be shed on the cross. Did what he wanted to do. And we see it with Noah and, and, and the days of Noah where we're told that everybody did whatever was right in their own eyes. Man not wanting to be in an, uh, under the authority of anybody. And yet we know, without a doubt, that there is an authority structure. First and foremost, are we as, as God's creation are to be under the authority of God. What does He tell us to do? What does He say? What does He call us towards? What does He tell us in His Word? That is what we are to obey. We see that there's all kinds of authorities that are set up for us in Scripture. We see that, that, that husbands are to be in headship and, and are given incredible responsibility within the home. We see that, that, that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. There's to be something that's just radically different about us as families, as married couples. We are to love and, and, and to care as God's called us towards, and he's given us the perfect example in his word as far as love your wives as Christ loved the church. We see that there's authorities of all kinds in, in society. We find police officers who we are to be under their authority. I was at the airport, and somebody parked where everybody knows you're not allowed to park right there in front, left the vehicle, went inside, came out, and he's been given a ticket. And the guy that came out was just massive. I mean, he was a big guy. But the officer's giving him a ticket, and, and, and the guy starts screaming and yelling at the officer. And I'm watching this take place, and he takes his video camera, and he's like sticking it in his face. And the guy's being so calm and just like, sir, you can't park here. This isn't, you know, because I don't like the way you look or anything like that. You're not allowed to park here. And the guy's just screaming and yelling. He's got a cell phone in his face. And I just thought, this man needs a massive timeout. <laughs> it's like with, with bars to keep him there. It, it, it was, and the, the officer didn't do anything. And I just said, like, does this happen to you frequently? And he's like, way more than you could ever imagine. Stuff like this happens. And we see that, that that man does not like any kind of authority. Um, 
during the L.A. riots, my grandpa had passed away just before that, and so we went out there, and we were there for his funeral on the day that the riots broke out. And it was crazy to see the chaos in L.A. People running around on the freeways. We're on the freeways. They're running around on the freeways. They're breaking windows. They're grabbing TVs. They're pulling them out. It was absolute chaos in L.A. because I think everybody thought there is no authority. There's no one that can tell us what we can and can't do. And as far as they were concerned, it was a free-for-all. But you see it within children from just even the youngest ages. We don't like people telling us what to do. You hear it from kids, right? Most of you kids that are in here, at some point you have either thought or possibly said, with the exception of probably Jaden, because just for her sweetness. Um, correct me, Jaden, if I'm wrong. But you've thought, like, you're not the boss of me. Have you ever thought that? No. So, yeah, you have, huh? You're not the boss of me. I hear that in our household. You're not the boss of me. What right do you have to say? You know, who do you think you are? Natalie, as a little toddler, if she asked for something and I said no, her response was always, no say, no say yes. No say, no say yes. No say, no say yes. And sometimes it worked. Um, <laughs> but that was her response. No say, no say yes. There's authorities that are out there that we're called towards. Find it within our homes and our structure within our homes. In Ephesians chapter 6, as we looked at last week, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. This is right. It's not a matter of if you feel like it or if they deserve it or if you're having a good day or if you got proper sleep. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. It's right. It is the right thing to do. Our prayer is that the kids that are here would honor their parents. They'd honor their mother and their father. They'd obey their parents because it's right. God's pleased by it. They desire to please God. You desire to please God. You desire to honor God. You love God because he saved you from all of your sins. And you want to obey him. Our families ought to be different than that of the world. The way your marriages work, the way that your families work, there ought to be a major difference as we are light to this world, salt to this earth. We have the Holy Spirit within us that is molding us, who is molding us. He is conforming us into the image of Christ. He is changing us constantly and bringing us closer and closer to Christ and causing us to obey Him more and more. So kids are to honor their father and their mother. Parents, you're to raise your children in the ways of the Lord. We as parents are to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're to be different than the world. Remember, being a, a kid, and I knew there was a difference in our home. One is because we didn't participate in a lot of stuff that the other kids participated at school. My parents would pull us out when they were doing Halloween things and things like that that they didn't want us to participate in. We knew there was a difference. My parents just explained, we are Christians, there is a difference, there is a standard. Um, and we were to honor them, we were to obey them. 
I remember at, at, at one point, they gave out these things called citations. Everybody got them. Everybody got dozens and dozens and dozens of them. But I didn't because I got disciplined if I got a citation. I was in fifth grade. And I remember I got one. Some kid said something. I remember the kid. He said something to me and, I, and asked me a question. And I just said, like, yeah. And they're like, citation. And I'm like, and I started crying. And I remember the teacher, he's like, why are you crying? This is your first one all year. I'm like, well, I get disciplined if, if I get a citation. He's like, you tell your dad if you get one? Like, everybody gets them all the time. And so when I got home, I said, like, even my teacher said, like, you're like, you even tell your dad when you get them? Like, everybody gets them. And, oh, man, my dad was in that guy's room the next morning. Don't you ever tell my kid not to tell me. <laughs> I had never seen my teacher actually like, be like, I am so sorry that I said that to you. I did not mean don't tell your dad stuff. But like, we just, that was how our house rule worked. Like, you, you obeyed, this is what you did, you got disciplined, and, and you better tell daddy if you <laughs> did something that you weren't supposed to do. And I think at this point, my dad would know that he is, was unreasonable in the citation situation. Um, and someday, kids all know that I'm unreasonable in some things too. But part of being Christians is there's structure, there's rules, there's authority, and this is how it works. Dads also, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. We are to be different. The way we are towards our children, the way we act towards them, not provoking them to wrath, but bringing them up, training them, encouraging them, teaching them God's word, teaching them biblical principles, teaching them the gospel, living out the gospel, what the gospel is to look like, how we are to be towards others. This is something that God has called us to, and we as families are to be radically different than the world. Radically different. If the Holy Spirit is inside you and molding and conforming each one of us into his image, and we have God's word, and we know what he's called us to, and we have his enabling to do these things, and he's called us to these things, Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6 are teaching us this is the way you ought to be. There ought to be a difference. We come to a section now in verses 5 through 9. Let's read it and then we'll discuss it. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you, masters, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. We come to a section that is dealing with servants and masters, slaves and masters. Um, it's a controversial section sometimes because people think that in some way that this is the Bible's way of saying that slavery is okay. It's not what it's saying. And, and, and there, are, um, there is no doubt throughout all of Scripture that the idea of slavery especially the kind of brutal slavery that took place within the United States and has taken place in other parts of the world throughout history, is incredibly wicked. 
loving your neighbor as yourself, how we ought to treat others. Slavery is something that was incredibly wicked. Paul here isn't speaking for or against slavery. He is simply teaching that those that are in slavery ought to conduct themselves like this. In the Roman Empire at this particular time, there's estimated to be over 60 million slaves that live there. And a huge number of the cities that were there, a third of the people would have been slaves. And there was reformation that took place. There was revolts that took place under people like Spartacus before that. And you find that there's things that occurred to where within the Roman Empire at that time, most people knew that at some point in their life they would get their freedom. Most people weren't still in slavery at the age of 50. Um, Not only that, but slaves were given certain rights. They were able to own property. Some slaves even owned other slaves at that time. There was a difference that, as far as what was occurring in that culture at that time. Slaves did have some rights, but without a doubt, some of the slaves were in brutal situations where it was incredibly wicked. But the idea of slavery is not being endorsed here by this passage. It's just simply stating, this is what's taking place within the society. This is how you ought to conduct yourselves. This is how you're to be. Um, By God's grace, we don't have slavery here today in the United States. But we do have authorities that we're under. And so, to make this applicable to us, I think it's important for us to, to... to see this through the lens of you have people who are your bosses and people who work. Some of you are in a place where you work for someone who, who you maybe like or don't like. And there's people who are managing people and you have biblical principles there of how that's to take place. But all of us are in a place of authority, under, under authority. We're under authority of parents. We're under authority of teachers. We're under authority of police officers. We're under authority of coaches. I coached high school soccer for 28 years, and there was people in whom you just saw like just zero respect for authority. Zero. I had the sweetness of receiving an email from somebody this last month who I had cut from my team because of his defiance. Um, And I don't know, it's been maybe 10 plus years, and I got an email just, I am so sorry for what I did realizing at this point like what he did was wrong what he did was not okay but you have a we live in a time in which there's very little respect and authority that's given to coaches referees same thing that's a harder one for me referees i a couple weeks ago i was at natalie's game and the ball clearly went off on the other player and they called it out on natalie and so i was on the sideline and i said ref really He's like, oh, I went off on, you know, the blue player's toe. And I go, no. And Tasha's like, you really going to argue with the ref? And so I got like a yellow card from my wife at that particular point. <laughs> Yesterday was a terrible call that was made, and I didn't say a thing. I was super quiet. I didn't say anything. He was also 12, so I showed some grace. <laughs> but it's hard when you're under authority of anybody, and you're looking, going like, and that was... Compared to what some parents do, that was light. But we don't like to be under the authority of anybody. Coaches, referees, bosses, military, anybody. And yet God's called us to. And so in our passage here this morning, we are taught 
of what this should look like. Now, to begin with, it begins by bond servants, or slaves. Be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. I want to begin by just looking at what Christianity did to the idea of slavery. In Galatians chapter 3, we're told, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You are all children of God. You are all part of the family of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is therefore neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Those walls of separation have been destroyed. If somebody ever looked at someone who was a slave and thought that they were less of a person than the person who was free... The gospel says absolutely not. You're one in Christ. There's a unity that is there through the blood of Christ that makes it so there's no distinction between men, women, slaves, free. We are one in Christ as far as our position in Him. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 1, it says, Let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. And those who have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather serve them because those who are benefited are believers and beloved. Teach and exhort these things. Meaning servants. Be in a place where you honor those that are in authority over you. And if you happen to be under the authority of a Christian person that much more so submit to them um, it's possible for us as christians to think well this person may be my boss but they're also a christian therefore i should get special treatment that's, that's not the case even more so you should be in a place of humility wanting to serve them wanting to bless them because god's called you to whether you are in one family as far as the family of god it doesn't change the fact that here Paul tells Timothy that those who have believing masters, let them not despise them because they're brethren, but rather serve them. Have it be where that motivates you to serve them. That much more so. You hear in Philemon where there's a slave that has been a runaway slave, and now Paul's writing a letter to have that runaway slave be brought back and and, uh, and how he should be received. And this is what it says in Philemon chapter 1, verse 15. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him forever. And Paul's saying, no longer as a slave, but as more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If, if you count me as a partner, Paul says, receive him as you would me. But if he's wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. Here's the heart of Paul talking about the slave as far as like, receive him the same exact way that you'd receive me. If he owes you anything, just put it on my account. I'll, I'll pay it for him. Count him as a brother. He might be your slave, but he's your brother first. And so there's this sweetness that's there, even discussing slavery here as far as you are one in Christ, there is a difference and you receive this one who's broken the law, who has left you, take him back and receive him as a brother. Please, for my sake, 
please receive him back, Paul's saying. And so God calls bond servants to be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling. Not that you're to be shaking and scared of them, but in a place where you respect them. The idea of the phone and like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Put it in the officer's face. There is no respect for that officer at that point. We're finding this. You see it in the news over and over again where, there, where we have a society who is becoming more and more a state of having zero respect for police officers. And it's sin and it's wrong. And God help us as Christians to be radically different than that. Radically different. As well as towards bosses, management. The next thing it says, the next verse is, in sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye servants as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ. The word sincerity comes from a word that, that means literally without wax. If you were to take a, a vase, like, like the vase that's right here, and you were going to sell it, if it had cracks in it, what they would do sometimes is they would take the vase, and this one doesn't hold water even because they're fake, but if it, if it had cracks, they would take wax and put it over the vase so that you couldn't tell that there was any cracks. And so they'd sell something saying sincere, which means without wax. This is a pot that's real. It has no wax. When it gets hot, it's not going to melt, and all your water's not going to spill out when that takes place. And so that's where that word comes from. It means without wax. It means it's real. It's genuine. We are to have sincerity of heart without wax. We're in a place to be in a place where it's real, the way that we are towards those that we have been placed under their authority is to be done with sincerity of, of heart as to Christ. How would you respond to Christ? That's how you're to respond to those who you are under their authority, not with eye service. Not in a place where it's like, okay, the boss is looking, we better change what we're doing. But just doing it the right way, because God's called you to. All of us who are in the workplace have seen it where somebody is, is, is going about their job and all of a sudden the boss comes in and it's like it's a different person that's working. And God's saying, don't be like that. Do it as to the Lord, not with eye service, not because someone saw you, now you're going to do the right thing. Be without wax. Have sincerity of heart. Do the right thing. Not as those that are just simply wanting to please the boss. Men pleasers. Be God pleasers. As bond servants of Christ. You, you may be in a place where you, you just feel like, I'm, I'm doing this because I have to. I'll do what this guy wants me to do. What she wants me to do. But if I could do it any other way, I would. Or when they're not looking, I will. Um, God's calling us towards humility. Being in a place where we desire to please Him, not in a place where we're simply trying to please man. 
My first job was cleaning stables. That's what I did for a couple of years, starting at age 14. And, and, uh, and so my mom would drop me off at the stables, and I would, I would go and, and clean the stalls. The first day, they were so bad. Someone had left, and it had been like probably a good week, I thought, at least, before, since someone had cleaned the stables. And there's all these stalls, and so I went through it, and man, I spent hours. It was perfect. I raked every stall perfectly. I filled up tons of wheelbarrows of, 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 of the horse stuff and, and wheeled it over to where it was supposed to go. I had these stalls looking perfect. And my thinking was, if I do a really good job today, tomorrow when I come, it's just going to be like, clean up here, clean up there. Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be so easy from this point on if we just maintain. The next day, it looked like I had never come. The <laughs> way these horses operate is, <laughs> it looked like I had never come. And, and yet, God had called me to do it well all the time. Nobody was watching. The horses didn't care. I think the horses were there mostly to torture me. I would fill the wheelbarrow as high as it could possibly go. And then, especially this one horse, which I still don't like to this day, it would just go and knock the wheelbarrow over almost every time when, when I would fill it all the way up. But did this for a couple of years. Not a whole lot of pride in being the horse stall cleaner. But for a couple of years, we'd go every day, clean the horse stalls, and do it. I don't know that the boss ever once said, you're doing a great job at this. This is the cleanest these stalls have ever looked. Part of it was just, this is my job. This is what God's called me towards right now. This is how I get money to make it throughout the week and, so, and to pay for stuff that I needed to get or wanted to get. And so that's what I did. But God's called us all to a place of humility, right? Being a place of, it's not a matter of whether this guy says, great job. Doing it as unto the Lord. We find that in the next section here where he says, doing the will of God from the heart. Colossians 3.23 says this, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord, Jesus, or the Lord Christ. Do it from the heart. Do it heartily. Sincerity of heart, fearing God. But whatever you do, do it heartily. Um, Part of the reason why I want the kids to all be here is because I feel like in our society we have been in the process of producing people who do not do things heartily. Like, we are to be radically different than the world because we are to be people who work hard at what we do. We work hard. Not because this is what our culture does or this is because I was ra- the way I was raised or this is because, you know, I have a good leader or I have a good manager or I have a good motivator or or I got a good bonus, or you gave me the, the position that I wanted, or you, you give me 
special awards or I get to wear this ribbon. Like it's, we are to work hard because God's called us to work hard, to do it heartily. We're to be different than the world as far as the way that we conduct ourselves because we work hard. We don't approach a job and conduct ourselves with what can I get away with? Or what's the least amount that I can do and still keep my job? There is to be a radical difference for Christians because we aren't there simply to serve man or to keep a job but to serve God who sees everything. I was reading about the tens of billions of dollars that companies pour out every month or every year because in our country because their workers are doing social media, looking at websites, finding all their favorite things on Pinterest throughout their workday. How much can I get away with? How many hours can I waste? How much can I do and still keep this job? And God just said, don't be like that. Be in a place where what you do, you do heartily as to the Lord and not to men. You guys get that? Thus saith the Lord. Do it heartily. Work hard at what you do. Our families, our marriages are to be a certain way. Our families are to be a certain way. Our kids are to be structured in a certain way. This is how it ought to work. But in our workplace, we are held to a different standard than anybody else. And sometimes that person doesn't get the job. You know like the Eddie Haskells that are out there. Some of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about. But if you have little ones, or even if you don't, like introduce them to Leave It to Beaver. Um, there's this kid, Eddie Haskell. You all know one. But he's the guy that's like, you know, our, we watch this frequently. But hi, um, Mrs. Cleaver, you know, are you having a wonderful day? And then he right away goes behind her back and, and starts being just the, the, the difficult kid that he is. But as soon as Mr. Cleaver comes out or as soon as Mrs. Cleaver comes out, he's just the nicest boy that's ever out there. But people see right through him. You, you know that there are people that are like that and they just function throughout society to where they are one way when the boss is watching and there's something totally different when no one's watching and sometimes they get the promotion. Bottom line is this, as God said, don't do that. We are to be different because we serve a sovereign God who sees all things, who we adore, who we love, who has saved us, who's called us to be salt, he's called us to be light, he's called us to be different because of what he has accomplished in us. He's given us the Holy Spirit to enable us, he's given us the ability to have the fruit of the Spirit pour forth from our lives, to have humility, to have joy, faithfulness that ought to be there. Because it's God working in us. And I, I pray that that's what we would be. That we'd shine brightly in our workplaces. We'd shine brightly in our communities. We would be different. We'd train our kids that there is a good thing about working. Allow them to see that. There's a good thing about helping. Washing the cars. Jonathan washed two cars yesterday. Good stuff. And then I go through and be like, that's not clean enough. You need to do this. Let your OCD kick in here. How about? And we work on it because he's awesome and he makes it look amazing. But the idea of working, helping, being a part of the family, 
serving others, doing it heartily. That idea of doing things heartily is found all through Scripture. God doesn't like it when we do things half-heartedly. He doesn't like it when we love him half-heartedly. He doesn't like it when we function in a way that's half-hearted. He wants us to give ourselves to things that he has called us to do. For example, in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, in all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Right? He doesn't want us to be like, yeah, I'll sing a little praise. I'll give him a little bit of time. Brothers and sisters, he has saved you from eternity in hell. The wrath that you deserved, he took upon himself as he hung on the cross. He says, whosoever believes in me will not perish, but have everlasting life. So you get hell removed, wrath removed, guilt removed, all of your sin removed. You're clothed with robes of righteousness. You have an inheritance that's incorruptible, that's undefiled. It doesn't fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. It's kept by the power of God. He works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's washed you as white as snow. He makes it so you get to approach his throne boldly. He's given you a new heart. Your heart was once a heart of stone. He's given you a heart of flesh. He's changed everything for you, for all eternity. And therefore, we ought to be those who say, I will bless the Lord with all my soul and with all that is within me, I will bless his holy name. I will praise him like that because he deserves it. Psalm 119, verse 10, with my whole heart I've sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. With my whole heart, I just want to know what pleases God. How can I, I want to spend time with him. I want to know him. I want to honor him. And so it's with, with my whole heart I've sought you. Psalm 119, verse 34. Give me understanding and I'll keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. My whole heart, every part of me wants to observe your law, wants to obey your law. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be half-hearted. I want to go hard at what God's called me to and I want to go hard at, at, as far as living for Him, depending on Him, praising Him, calling upon Him, and how we're to be with one another. 1 Peter 1.22, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Fervently. Our love for one another should be like, that guy's okay. You know what? Maybe we should like invite them over at some point over the next decade. But being in a place of, like, how can I love you well? Pray for you? Is there ways that I can serve you? How can I love you fervently? Because we as a church ought to look different than the world. We ought to look different than our communities in which we live, in which probably a lot of you don't know a whole lot of your neighbors. I don't. But being in a place with, with our brethren, with one another, we are to love fervently. There should be passion that's in there. 
We are to love our wives fervently. We are to love our children and raise them in the ways of the Lord in a way in which it's fervent. And we are to work in such a way that it's heartily, it's, fer- it's fervent and love one another that way. God's called us towards this. And then he says this. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Know this, that God sees and God blesses you. What you do, whether you're seen by men or not, whether you're seen by your parents or not, why you're seen, whether you're seen by your spouse or not, you're to do these things because God sees it. He knows it. We're God-pleasers. We want to honor him. And then he addresses the masters. And you, masters, do the same things to them. Giving up threatening. Knowing that your own master also is in heaven. And there's no partiality with him. How do you manage if God has put you in a place where you're overseers of others? In management over others. We ought to be different. You ought to be different. You ought to be in a place where the love of Christ is radically different in you than others. Um, part of my childhood, my dad worked at a, um, a printing company. And so during the summer, my brother and I worked there during the summer because he wanted us to work and to learn how to work. And so we worked there. And working in, in the printing press area for that summer, there was a lot of workers there. There was a whole bunch of people there. And, and, uh, and they referred to the people that were like the management as the coats or the ties. They always would make jokes about them. But I remember them saying, and it was like across the board, they're like, your dad's different than all the other coats. I'm like, how so? He knows our names. He knows our families. He comes back here and he talks to us and he actually cares about us. He's different than all the rest of them. And I watched that over a summer. No one came back, but he did. He knew them, spoke Spanish to them best he could or whatever language they were speaking. But he knew them and he knew all about what was going on in their lives. There was a difference that was there. And it's not kudos to my dad. It's kudos to the Lord who has changed us and made it so that we are different than others. Because we have a master. It's God. The way he leads us is with such gentleness and grace and mercy and humility. With fairness, integrity. Always. He's called us to be different. So as we close this morning, looking at the sections that are before us, from the youngest kids here all the way up, we're to be different. The Holy Spirit's called us. He indwells us. He enables us. But when we look at the rest of the world and we see them functioning differently, Know that this is exactly the way it's supposed to be. 
We're to be salt and we are to be light. We have been called to be holy because he is holy. And we've called to be different. Don't look at submission to any kind of authority as a bad thing. It's a good thing. God's called us to these things. And he's called us to do it in a way that he's honored most. Amen? Now let's pray before our amazing God who saved us. Let's pray. Lord God, we are ultimately under your authority and we love you. Help us as your people to shine brightly. Help us to serve well. Help us to love well. Help us to love fervently. Help us to pour our hearts into all that we do, but especially into the way in which we worship our Savior. If there's anybody here this morning who hasn't come to know you yet, Lord, oh, may they see that you alone are the one who can take our sins and hurl them into the depths of the sea. You tell us that whosoever believes in you will not perish but have everlasting life. What makes us different than others? It's not what we've done. It's not how smart we are. It's not that we've figured things out. It's that we serve a sovereign God who called us. Through faith in you, Lord, you have changed us radically. The calling in which you called us to as husbands and wives and as children and as workers and as managers, Lord. You call us to these things and then you enable us to do them, but you have your word impact us as your Holy Spirit uses that to mold us and to shape us into who you're calling us to be. Help us to respond to authorities humbly and properly but especially to you. And again, if there's someone who doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, that they'd see that they're in desperate need of having their sins forgiven, of being washed as white as snow through faith and the work of Christ upon the cross. You can change us entirely, Lord. And you've done to all those who have faith in you. We praise you for that. I pray that you'd bless every part of the rest of our day, from the closing worship to the baptism this afternoon. May you be honored, Lord. May you be glorified in our hearts and within our church. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.